this episode, I will be speaking to Kelly Lavalley, the founder and CEO of Mint Gold Dust, an NFT marketplace and ecosystem based in New York City. She has over 20 years of experience in the data center space, working with software development organizations and in the telecommunications industry in Europe, Southeast Asia, Africa, and North America. In 2018, Microsoft presented her with the Hypergrowth Innovation Leadership Award in recognition of her being an early investor and leading voice in the blockchain and cryptocurrency arenas. In the same year, Forbes magazine recognized her as a pioneer in blockchain. Without further ado, here's Kelly. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. How's it going? Very good. Thanks for having me, Henry. Yeah, of course. It's great to have you on here today. And I'm really looking forward to talk to you about everything Bitcoin. I sure know where you stand on the world of decentralization, but for our listeners that don't, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been using Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Um, I've been really interested in it since about 2014. I read the white paper in around 2011 and really got into it. And so um, when you say white paper, could you just explain what that is? Uh, the, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin white paper was, I read that. I got it in 2011. I didn't actually read it until 2012. Um, so I missed out on that six months of alpha. And then I sat down and uh, read it in the new year of 2012. And eventually um, in 2013, I believe, I got on um Twitter and Facebook and started trying to ask people what Bitcoin was um, mm -hmm. from in their opinion and got no responses. Um, I wow. started a Twitter in 2013 and um, there I didn't really know how to use it. And so I didn't know, like, you put a hashtag in front of it, um, just like a lot of people didn't even know what Bitcoin was. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, uh, yeah, and, and Facebook, no one answered me for a couple of years. And when they did answer me, they had really sarcastic uh, responses. Um, yeah. I, and I kind of pride myself in those tweets and those messages on Facebook. So, but um, yeah, that's when I became very interested in it. Um, and I uh, really got into mining um, a friend of mine was, uh, my, my best friend actually had s some questions about the mining, uh, machines. And so she and I would talk on a daily basis. And then I flew to Malaysia really to look at the equipment that she had and help her set it all up, her and her brother. Um, and we just got together and, um, set it all up and got it running. And just because I had a background in data centers and cooling and, um, and electricity is really mm -hmm. important with data centers. I kind of by default and got lucky, started really understanding how mining machines were set up, cooled and, um, and the use of electricity around okay, the machines. Yeah. So you were, so you were very hands-on even from a early point. And um, yeah. so, and you mentioned mining and how a lot of this all has to do with mining. And again, for there's going to be a lot of our listeners here who have no idea how a Bitcoin is even created or what a miner is. So if you wouldn't mind, do you think you could give our listeners a very uh, simple explanation of how the currency works? So um, a very basic high level overview is that there is a network of nodes and 
the nodes go through a verification process of verifying a transaction. And by node, and you mean like a computer almost? Yes, kind of like a let's let's say a computer that um, that solves equations. Let's mm -hmm. just say that. Um, so you have uh, multiple nodes that are running in the network, and there is a consensus algorithm. So a piece of a software basically that goes around checking to verify that those nodes should be in the network and everything on the network is true and just so um the way i explained it when i taught it uh, a course on it at yale i said so if you walk into a bar everybody's holding a beer bottle and every single time someone takes a sip of that beer all of the beer bottles speak to one another in a network effect and agree simultaneously that that SIP is valid and true. Mm -hmm. um, so the consensus algorithm says, yes, that transaction is valid and that person takes a SIP. And that basically, um, in a nutshell, high level overview is what uh, a blockchain network is with a consensus algorithm uh, running uh, through it, making sure that everything is valid and they all have to agree that that SIP can be taken. Um, and, and as opposed to like a database, anything can happen within a database. There's no real approval structure that happens with a database. It just happens. So I can make any transaction on a database and I can uh, put a, a, I can, someone, a user can write a check and um, that check information can be put into the database and it most likely, 99.99999% of the time, we call it five nines, it will not be rejected because most databases are stagnant and they're not constantly updating. So that information sits in the database and what happens when the database breaks? What happens when the keg breaks? There is no more beer. There's no more data. Mm -hmm. But when a, a consensus algorithm is communicating with multiple beer bottles within the, the bar and they are all gathering up information on each and every single transaction and making sure that they are true, then that... Um, is constantly up to date. Let's say one beer bottle breaks, then the network continues to operate because everyone is up to up to uh, a time or in sync with one another and up to date. And each of those transactions are time stamped, um, making sure that the data continues to run. Whereas in a database situation, when the keg breaks, there's no more data. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the way I explained it at Yale. <laughs> I see, I see. So that's all very interesting, but I think to a lot of our listeners, that can almost sound like not very far off from from things that already exist in, in not only um, current database companies like you're talking about, but also um, I think a lot of people view uh, crypto as a whole as not really having much or not really understanding the the advantage it has at, at being different from um, our current fiat monetary system. So 
I, I just wanted to kind of bring up our current monetary system with you and, and get your opinion on what the issues of fiat are and how uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency as a whole helps to solve those problems. Well, for one, um, fiat is not up to date um, and it is not capped. So we, as the central bank, sets the value of the currency and um, there could be the rehypothecation of a dollar up to 16 times mm -hmm. before there is a financial or economic crash. And when I say rehypothecation, I mean by basically by lending it out over and over and over again. Yeah, paying off the old debt with the new debt. That's, that's actually something we've been learning a lot yes. in, our, in our class. Yeah. And so, so when you rehypothecate something so many times, there is no, and then you, and, and then you issue more of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is no cap and there is no way to get the true value. You, there is no supply and demand. Yeah. You're only creating a speculative market on the value of that dollar by issuing more and then saying, this is what it's valued at. Yeah. And then rehypothecating it, so lending it out over and over and over again, um, and creating more dollars um, to be in the economy, you only are, that's only detrimental to the value of the asset. With Bitcoin, it is capped at 21 million, and there is a, a consensus algorithm running in the protocol to make sure and verify that every single Bitcoin that goes into the network is an actual currency and it's not, um, it is not fake. It's not, um, it's, you can't issue any more. Um, it is capped at 21 million. I think by now there's like 18 and a half or 19 million uh, Bitcoin that have been generated and every four years there is a halving, um, which makes it more difficult to actually produce more Bitcoin. The difficulty increases by half and, um, and by 2140 there will be the last Bitcoin that's been mined. So I probably won't be around then. Yeah. Uh, unless I freeze myself and then, yeah. you know, something like that, but which, you know, it could happen. So, yeah. um, but for now we're at about 18, 5 million Bitcoin that have been created mm -hmm. and uh, many people are holding them like Michael Saylor holding them for, um, for uh a, a, an asset class for potential future value. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the main differences between Bitcoin and fiat, fiat dollars or fiat currency is that, um, and when I say, when earlier you said cryptocurrency, I don't think all cryptocurrencies are created equal. So I mm -hmm. spe specifically say Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, the difference between Bitcoin and uh, fiat currency is that Bitcoin is capped. It has a um, clear consensus algorithm to make sure that every single Bitcoin is equal uh, to the others. And one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. And um, 
the only way that we rehypothecate Bitcoin is through exchanges. I'm not a big fan of exchanges, specifically for the recent FTX challenge. Yeah. But, um, that, that's the major differences between fiat, they, fiat currency dollars and Bitcoin. Um, there's a major problem with a central bank uh, stating its value and and also controlling it and printing more. It causes the asset class to actually depreciate instead of appreciate like a Bitcoin appreciates. Yeah, so so would it be fair to say that Bitcoin is pretty much an entirely digital commodity currency? Uh, it, I mean, in the way that its supply is fixed to mimic the supply of a commodity such as gold? Um, I wouldn't compare it to gold I wouldn't call it even a commodity. A commodity mm -hmm. makes it seem as though it there is, a, you know, a plethora of them, and Bitcoin is not. I don't see Bitcoin. People might argue against this, but I don't see uh, Bitcoin as a commodity. Mm -hmm. I see it as a fixed um, asset with limited um, number and a. Um, and there's only a certain, there's definitely only a certain number that has been and will be ever created. So it is very much capped so that the, uh, that everyone understands the value of it. And there are denominations of the Bitcoin, of Bitcoin. So um, you can very easily say that there isn't anything really like it. Gold, you have endless amounts of gold. Um, we don't know how much gold there is in those hills, as yeah. they said in 1849 or something like that in San Francisco, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, there, that's that it's definitely very, very different than a dollar, for example, or a digital dollar. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that the exchanges uh, earn value on Bitcoin is that they take they take people's dollars and they use those and they go and buy Bitcoin with it as a store of value and they earn based on the dollars that the exchanges hold they'll rehypothecate the dollar mm -hmm. um, or go buy a yacht with it and then rent out the yacht so they're earning off of that asset and they've done that with dirty fiat yeah I guess you could buy, you could say that you could buy Bitcoin, you could buy yachts with Bitcoin as well and rent it out just the same, but then you don't have your Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and in that sense, the currency is actually being used in like a, a real world sort of situation. Yes. And right now, over the next probably, I would say 25 to 30 years, whenever you have fluctuation in a currency, you have um the opportunity there's opportunity mm -hmm. so with huge fluctuation there's huge opportunity but even more so with a currency that is capped yeah and even more so with a currency that um with a, a currency that is digitized so you can actually see the transactions with fiat currency for example, I was asked on stage one time in front of about a thousand people. They're like, um, "Isn't Bitcoin what most, um, you know, cr criminals use?" And I said, "Well, when I want to do a drug deal, I usually do it with dollars. 
when I want to do when I want to rob a bank, I usually rob the dollars because I can get a hold of them. Mm-hmm. I go eighteen hundred. I mean, I, I don't really rob banks or do drugs <laughs> or buy drugs. But if I want to do a drug deal, most likely uh, it's going to do. I'm going to be doing it with uh, fiat currency, yeah. most likely dollars. And when I lived in Nigeria, I remember um, you know there's a lot of opportunity to. Actually, not just in Nigeria, but around the world, there's a great opportunity for um, counterfeit, and they're easily reproduced. Dollars are the most the easiest thing to reproduce, and the most counterfeit uh, currency probably in the world in circulation is mm-hmm. with the U.S. dollar, which because it's one of the the most held currency in the world as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, so I, I moving on. I, I wanted to I, while we were actually on the the subject of exchanges a little bit and and everything with FTX. Um, I just wanted to know, in your opinion, uh, what do you think some potential government regulations or policies would look like in in a situation where Bitcoin becomes adopted for use of uh, uh, for goods and services? As far as regulation goes, um, my the biggest thing it's going to be very difficult for a government to regulate a bitcoin the bitcoin protocol or even bitcoin as a currency what they should do is regulate the exchanges more the exchanges offer a lot of information they know what wallet the bitcoin is coming from and going to um they the exchanges should do better kyc if if you know if you're going to work with an exchange here in the united states um then they they could be regulated um a lot better than what they are now uh we have different rules around exchanges than we do with banks um, which i find really interesting but if there's an exchange in the united states then they have to be regulated heavier i think than any other they have to have better KYC than than the banks because the way that exchanges receive Bitcoin currency and most people that want to go through the exchanges don't want to do KYC, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to pay the taxes on the capital gains. It just means that, you know, they have a right to their own privacy. Yeah. With, with zero knowledge proof, um, which has been introduced in the Ethereum protocol, then we can do KYC without everybody knowing what my address is. Every time mm-hmm. I go in and get a bank account, I have to show 300,000 documents just so to prove who I am. Mm-hmm. Zero knowledge proof with that type of system already built into the current banking systems and also built into the exchanges, I wouldn't have to go and show my face in a bank. I could just go through the exchange if they have proper regulated KYC with zero knowledge proof built into it. Now, Bitcoin doesn't have zero knowledge proof built into it. So you would have to use Ethereum for the trust layer of the protocol and the interoperability between Bitcoin and Ethereum needs to be ironed out. Mm -hmm. We're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is very, it would be very, very difficult for the US government to regulate uh, Bitcoin or Bitcoin protocol. Um, and if you are creating a currency inside the United States, you will be heavily regulated, um, or a token. Um, if you're 
creating a bank the same way. Um, if you are, uh, if you're an exchange, they need to be he more heavily regulated, uh, but they haven't really up to this date. I mean, look at FTX, for example, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that people can't transact with Bitcoin protocol outside the United States. So it's really difficult to um, regulate a currency that is not based in the United States. It's mm -hmm. a completely international currency. So trying to regulate a currency that you cannot shut down because of what I said, you know, if a node breaks or a, sh a node uh, shuts down, the network continues to operate. Mm -hmm. There is no way that the U.S. government could shut down Bitcoin in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, they could they can shut down the exchanges, but I can still transact with my Bitcoin um, from my my cold wallet yeah. um, internationally, and the government would have nothing, have no idea that I was doing that. Yeah, I want to go uh, more into like kind of about how Bitcoin uh, appreciates value because I think many people see like the volatility of it and sort of view it as something as sort of a Ponzi scheme when really the function of Bitcoin is to be an entirely digital currency, which it succeeds at being tremendously. Um, so I, I wanted to bring up uh, the trade exchange ratio with you because I think it's a very important factor in terms of uh, what we were, we've just been discussing, real world usage um, of Bitcoin and also how Bitcoin ap appreciates value. Um, so basically, the trade exchange ratio, it's, a, it's the ratio between trade and transaction volume. Uh, so if the ratio is low, it would mean Bitcoin is being used for real-world transactions because more users are sending Bitcoin to each other instead of to exchanges. Um, and in economic theory, the price of a currency should be driven by its use in transactions, its supply, and the price level. And by looking at a 2015 study, um, that looked at the trade exchange ratio of Bitcoin from its inception up to 2015. Uh, Bitcoin behaved uh, completely in accordance with the economic theory of currency, uh, but only in the long run. In the short run, it was prone to bubbles and bursts, which we've seen to continue happen since 2015. But taking all this into account, I just wanted to know your thoughts on, on how consumers that only really see the headlines and the news of big bubbles and bursts, how will they be able to, how do you think they'll be able to look past the volatility of Bitcoin or crypto as a whole and, and be able to start to adopt it in their everyday lives when it's kind of seen as such a risky asset? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, and I, t I probably don't have the best answer for it, but from my perspective, um, that's usually applied to commodities. Mm -hmm. um, and NFTs are starting to be commodities, not to get off subject, but mm -hmm. NFTs are starting to become like a commodity because there's so many of them and there's so many continuing to be created that I see it as kind of NFTs is kind of like a commodity. Um, but going back to the, um, the your question, for as adoption or for adoption, I think that um, a lot of people are holding Bitcoin as a store of value. Um, they're not using them to buy bread. They're not using, using Bitcoin to buy commodities. Um, 
they're, they're not using them to purchase houses. The way I have explained it since the first time I was ever asked to speak in 2015 about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, um, the first time I ever was asked about cryptocurrency and how we can get people to adopt is, um, I think I, maybe it was in 2016, but anyway, um, basically I said, in my personal view, I think that different cryptocurrencies will be used for different things. Mm -hmm. um, Bitcoin, I see as a, as a as a fantastic store of value. What what we used to call uh, gold, um, we will now we have evolved, and it, and Bitcoin, I believe, has taken the place of gold. Mm -hmm. um, Ethereum, I think that Ethereum and its complexity and its um, abilities as a smart contract and as we deploy the new uh, proof of uh, stake with zero knowledge proof and the beacon chain um, as the approval chain process, I think that it, they, it really becomes a agile currency that you can use for many different things mm -hmm. um, and i think that you know you'll have your other currencies for um uh yield farming or yearning um you have your other currencies uh for less complex uh exchanges like litecoin or dash um, that can, that can be used when you go to the grocery store. It's not that complex, mm -hmm. you know. It's just a currency, and Litecoin actually is pegged to the pegged to Bitcoin. It 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 actually operates very similar to Bitcoin, but it has um, it's a little bit different in nature. Mm -hmm. And I think that it will um, most likely be less of a store of value but more of a currency that we could trust and that we can uh use on a daily basis yeah so go ahead <laughs> i think i think that um in the future and i've been talking about this since 2016 17 uh in the future multinational organizations will adopt their central um banks or their central treasury will adopt their own currency. So for example, um, uh, Verizon Wireless is a huge organization and they partner overseas with a company called Vodafone. Um, you also have Deutsche Telekom or T-Mobile, huge multinational organizations that will adopt their own cryptocurrency uh, for payments um, with uh, with and and also with working with their vendors so you'll have and i think that the in the in the future uh the mobile the telephone industry or telecommunications industry will be the exchanges i think verizon wireless might buy um kraken for example they will become the exchanges of the future mm -hmm. just because we do so much from our mobile phone and so much of our Wi-Fi, our mobile phone bills, our landlines, our computer internet access at home um, can all be done from our mobile device. And those vendors or those players that play in those communities 
um, and the people that utilize those services will need a central uh, cryptocurrency for the use of usage of those things. And that will, that, you know, that has already been starting, uh, like in West, uh, sorry, East Africa, there was a digital currency called M-Pesa. And M-Pesa could use, it was a, it's a digital currency that you can use from your mobile phone. And that has been bypassed with cryptocurrency. So it's already starting to happen in less developed worlds yeah. where a digital currency or a cryptocurrency is becoming uh, the prominent currency of choice. Uh, if you look at the Zim dollar um, from uh, in Zimbabwe, you saw the Zim dollar go up. You know, there's a trillion, uh, you know, a trillion Zim dollars for every one dollar, wow. and um, and so I think that that uh, will um, really start to develop in less developed worlds and uh, with less strong currencies. And over the next 10 to 20 years, I think that that cryptocurrency and especially Bitcoin will become a very, very strong currency and they will bypass uh, typical uh, fiat currencies. We're we are already seeing that in like Nigeria, mm -hmm. where uh, the store of value used to be dollars or gold. Like in the Philippines, it's really gold um, and U.S. dollars. But now they are moving more towards cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. And in the Philippines, um, if you look at an organization, a gaming organization called Axie Infinity, Axie has its own built-in currency. Um, and that is a multi-million dollar, if not trillion dollar industry today. And that's because uh, people can get access to it um, and earn it through this game. And dollars are becoming less important in those developing worlds. And cryptocurrency is the more stable and the more accessible and um, the more trusted currency now. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is with to mention that that Axie Infinity did suffer a multi-million dollar um, hack of, of customer funds, correct? That's an yeah. yeah, it's in the exchange and it's in it's it's they have custodian they're mm -hmm. custody they're custodians of the currency, um, which is which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, just to segue into kind of how do concerns over safety within the uh, crypto space um, impact the sustainability of, of Bitcoin or, or the whole decentralized finance world? Because I think recently a lot of people from the outside, I think, have been seeing in the headlines. I mean, it, it, even before FTX, but although FTX definitely made it even worse, there had been lots and lots of um scams going on so i just want to know like your opinion on that when you say safety or security are you talking about within the technology or within the people that are utilizing it or the more, more within the the people that are us utilizing it and 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 kind of the newer consumers that 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 um are hesitant to come in because they they there's a lot of stories now about people getting 
um yeah rugged yeah (laughs) um yeah so it's interesting because you know i people ask me you know how do we help people on board and how do we how do we get to know how do we know what's trusted and what's not and that's really difficult um a lot of the times people don't do their own research even and a lot of the times they get into cryptocurrency with not really great intentions but with the intentions of making a lot of money and and when you want to make a lot of money really quickly you're getting into something you don't know about really quickly and you get rugged because you don't take the time to do the research and do the work um it's like what i you know when i was growing up i had to learn i had to be given a certain a small amount and go and buy you know a piece of gum with a nickel and come back and give you know the change and count the change out Mm -hmm. Um, you could go and buy a piece of gum for like three cents and at a, like a candy shop or something and you get like a, a round bubble gum or you put a nickel in a, in a gumball machine and then there's change that comes out and you get your bubble gum as well. So you have to, you have, it's baby steps. You have to learn in small increments how to use and utilize. But first and foremost, you have to know the denominations of a currency that you're using. Mm-hmm. And not only do you have to know the denominations, but where are you going to put your three cents change after you go and use two cents of it and then in the in the gumball machine mm-hmm. and the five cents you have to know what a penny is you have to know what a nickel is you have to know what a dime is a quarter is a dollar is a quarter dollar um so these are the things that people don't take the time to learn yeah they they are a half dollar not a quarter dollar um these are the things that people don't take the time to learn and that takes time and we assume that we uh can learn that pretty quickly because you know when we were children we learned pretty quickly in how to how how all that happens what we don't realize is we are watching humans we're watching our our parents and friends deal in uh nickels and dimes and pennies uh, for many years leading up to actually going and buying that piece of gum, that piece of gum. So that people take for granted. They take for granted the fact that um, they have been taught this information over a period of time. So they think that they can just jump into cryptocurrency and and take 20 minutes or a, an hour to learn. And every single time there's a start the beginning of a bull market you hear about people uh jumping in with both feet and not taking the time to learn mm-hmm. about the market it happens every single time this will be my fourth having and it'll start to happen in um a, in about a, in about six months or so mm-hmm. people will want to jump in feet first and then the rise of bitcoin will happen and they'll get rugged and it in the bear market um and it's and it's terrible that it happens but that's the cycle yeah um so security 
I think is number one, learn taking the time to learn about the industry, um, listening, uh, reading, um, trying to get try to get on Twitter and learn about, you know, start to listen to some real um, podcasts and things like that, and. Don't get into cryptocurrency because you think you're going to make a million bucks. It's just not the right way to enter into the market. Um, you will you will uh, get rugged. A lot of the times there's a lot of people talking about cryptocurrency who have no idea what they're talking about. A lot of celebrities. If you listen to a celebrity about cryptocurrency, you deserve to get rugged. Because let me tell you, celebrities know about acting. They know about taking money for marketing. They know about, um, uh, you know, whatever they're, they're, you know, they know about their, you know, um, makeup line or mm -hmm. they know about their, you know, how to fly first class or something like that. Um, how to get into a club or whatever, but cryptocurrency is actually currency. And would you listen to these people um, about your fiat dollars and taking your dollars and putting it um, in which bank? Do you do you actually listen to these people about that specifically? No, you don't, because you know they don't know about it. Well, cryptocurrency is money, and when you start to think about it that way then you realize that you probably need to do a little bit more research than rather than listening to some celebrity um, who's like an actor or a model or just a celebrity because they're pretty or whatever, um, rather than listening to them, it's probably best that you do your own research. Yeah. So that's my biggest security, <laughs> my biggest security um, t uh, um, lesson is don't listen to people that don't, aren't typically in that industry about cryptocurrency listening listening to cryptographers about specific cryptocurrencies listening to people that you that probably don't have don't talk a lot um are probably people that you probably need to listen to gary v is probably the worst person to listen to mm -hmm. and he's got his mouth and i don't suggest uh, listening to um, big mouths, I, I suggest listening to people that um, have actually worked with cryptocurrencies, um, have built and developed um, uh, real usable um, platforms with real use cases. Mm -hmm. um, those are the people that I would trust more than actors or yeah. musicians or people pretty people um and I, when i say pretty people i mean like people that uh, are on instagram with um you know that they're trying to put, you know put lipstick on and stuff mm -hmm, like that mm -hmm. probably shouldn't listen to them that that to me and and really doing research um reading a book there's a book called um the business of blockchain it's by a friend of mine named w william moger um, the business of blockchain is probably the best book you could probably get your hands on uh, to learn about. There's also um, another book called The Blockchain Revolution. That would be a great book. Um, and when you read the books or listen to them in audiobook, you um, maybe start to follow the authors on Twitter and 
start to read about what they're uh, reading about. They post a lot on what they're reading about. And I think that's probably the best way to follow the, follow the rabbit, the rabbit's path down the rabbit hole, because listening to people that don't really work in cryptocurrency on a daily basis is probably not the best way to be secure with your currency. You will get rugged if you don't do your own research. Um, as far as wallet security or exchange security, I recommend anybody, um, if you have a Coinbase account, it's also, that's an exchange and it also provides a wallet. There's MetaMask, it's a, an Ethereum-based um, wallet. Um, there's another uh, exchange called Shapeshift or Fox, I believe it's renamed, but they have a wallet called Portis Wallet. I was their advisor for a couple of years um, before they sold to Shapeshift. Uh, that's a really good wallet. Um, there's also another wallet that's called Liquality. Um, the founder of Women in Blockchain actually founded a company called Liquality, and they have an, uh, a wallet that is interoperable between uh, multiple protocols. So it sits across multiple protocols so it can handle multiple currencies that are built on multiple protocols. Um, so you have the protocol layer, then you have the platform layer on top of the protocol layer. The protocol layer is the trust layer. That's where the consensus algorithm um, runs. Then you have the platform on top of that that utilizes the trust layer in the protocol um, and utilizes the consensus algorithm and the, in the protocol. And then on top of the platform, you have the currencies that could possibly run through the platform um, that push the transactions through and the track transaction fees through. Mm -hmm. Well, very, very great recommendations and wise words from Kelly Lally. Kelly, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Henry. And I look forward to seeing what you do with this information. Yes, of course. <laughs> I'll be sure to send it right over to you. All right. All right. <laughs>